We're back. This is Dear Woke Christian, the podcast, and I'm Jason. This is a podcast that's aimed at helping those who profess to be woke to compare God's word to what they've been told, bought, or sold. My prayer is that the gospel of Jesus Christ will be made so amazing that you won't want any other gospel, which, as the Apostle Paul says, is no gospel at all. We are back. This is Dear Will Christian, the podcast. My name is Jason, and this is a podcast that's aimed to those persons who profess to be woke. I want you to consider what you've been told, what you bought, or maybe even you sold in light of God's holy word. My prayer is that the gospel of Jesus Christ and God's holy word will become so amazing that you won't want any other gospel. And as Paul said in Galatians, there truly is no other gospel. Today, we're going to look at a sermon by a pretty popular fellow. And it's not a woke sermon at all. There's nothing in reference to critical race theory or CRT in this, um, this message. It's a, it's a TikTok of all things. The reason I want to point it out is because I've made the point that Christians are functionally illiterate as it relates to the Bible, what the Bible actually teaches. And it is the duty, the responsibility, the cherished responsibility of a pastor to open up God's word and teach the people what God has already said and who God is and what God does and so forth. It is their responsibility. This pastor abdicates that. And this is a perfect example of how critical race theory actually gets into the church by this type of low-level I don't even want to call it preaching, but low-level teaching, if you will. So today we're going to start off by looking at some scripture. Then we're going to jump um, to the video and I'll do a little bit of commentary. So let's go. So we got here. Uh, let's just start out with Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers of, take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst off their bonds apart, cast away their cords. He who sits in heaven laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them with his fury, saying, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will do. I will tell of the decree, the Lord said to me, you are my son today, I've begotten you. And I'll have to stop right there. Just wanna ask you, does that sound like a king that needs anything from his subjects? Anything, anything, a little bit, none? Okay, let's jump to the next one. Psalm 115.3. Why should the nation say, where is your God? Our God is in the heaven and he does, as he pleases, okay? Just want to point that out again. And I'm actually going to read this whole part. So this is Psalm 115, starting us. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be glory because of your loving devotion, because of your faithfulness. Why should the nation say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens and he does whatever he pleases. I added that, I'm sorry. He does as he pleases. 
Now, the rest of that he explains that their, their gods are gold and they have mouths and don't speak, eyes that don't see, ears and can't hear, feet and can't walk, they can't feel, that their gods are just idols. Okay, so I think we, it's pretty clear, pretty clear. God doesn't need us. There's nothing he needs. And he doesn't ask for permission to do anything. I want to make sure that's clear. And so before you say it, let's go ahead and go to Revelation 3, 20. And we'll talk about the, uh, the quintessential God has a need passage or God is going to ask permission to do something. These are the letters to the churches, the seven churches in Asia Minor and the very popular church of Laodicea, which is a, the archetype of um, bad churches, if you will. It's an archetype of churches that needed a high level of discipline, high level of discipleship, and of course, a steady dose of God's word. So here's what the Lord says to the church of Laodicea. And let's look at it in its entire context. To the angel of the church of Laodicea, right? These are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the, the originator of God's creation. I know your deeds. You are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were one of the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have grown wealthy and need nothing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich, white garments so that you may be clothed and your shameful nakedness be, ex be exposed, not be exposed, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see those I love I rebuke and discipline. Therefore, be earnest and repent. Here it comes. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. To the one who overcomes, I will grant the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Verse 20, you could definitely, out of context, assume that Jesus knocks at the door and we have to open the door. You've seen the picture of Jesus knocking on the door. There's no door handle on the outside. The door handle's on the inside. Out of context, you could totally believe that. But reading verses 15 through 19, does that sound like a God who is literally standing at the door knocking and can't come in and can't do whatever he pleases? Keep in mind, I mean, it, verse 20 out of context does sound like that. But in context, it sounds like he's being patient. He's giving them an opportunity because they have been so wicked, because they have been so wretched. Not because he can't kick the door down, as this pastor is going to say in a second. He chooses not to, but he can. All right. So let's jump into this, uh, this TikTok. Uh, Pretty popular TikTok. Sorry about that. All right. Um, we all probably know this fellow. Just gonna double check, make sure. Be right back. I want to make sure that I'm sharing the sound when I share it with you. So that was just a small mistake. I want to make sure the sound is going to be shared. 
and I believe it's right. Perfectly, it is. So do this. Not allowing it. There we go. I tell you, man, technology is always something. All right, so now we got the sound shared. So let's uh, let's go in here. When we pray is to invite God in. God's a gentleman. He's not going to invade your life. You're going to have to let him in. The Bible says it like this. Revelations three twenty. It says, "Look, I stand at the door and I knock." If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. What we want God to do is. Okay, so there's the, there's the upshot, there's the punchline, so to speak. Is that what the scripture actually says? And I also want you to consider the caricature that he's going to paint. Does that sound like the God who sits in heaven and laughs at the plots of kings and nations and worlds? Does that sound like the omnipresent, omnipotent, unpowerful God? Or does this sound like some kind of rejected ninth grader that asks a girl to dance and he's waiting to find out if she'll, if, if the cool girl will invite, um, go with him to the dance? Just listen. Let's be like. I am the Holy One of Israel, here to clean and change everything in your life. Okay, that's just a that's just a caricature. But guess what? God could do that, and God would not be wrong in doing so. And we know this because we see countless examples in the scriptures. How did Noah give God permission? Did Job give God permission? Moses, Abraham, David, anybody? Lazarus, when he was dead, did he give Jesus permission to raise him from the dead? Where is an example of somebody giving Jesus permission? Chapter and verse it for me. There isn't. This story is, I guess, cool. I guess it's trendy. It And it puts the focus and the onus on me that I have to let God into my life when God can do whatever he wants. Hey, it's me. Nice I was friend. wondering today, could I could I come into your house and you, clean up dance some with me oh, and help you? Dance oh no no no, you're too busy. No. Too oh, busy. you got a new boyfriend. Okay. <sighs> okay. Okay, cool. I'll be back tomorrow. Hey, yes, yeah, me hey, again. Me. Just wanted to Nerd see kid. today. I I heard some whimpering, some crying, okay. some things that are settled in life. Hey, I, okay. I could come in. Okay. And, and help you. Well, well, no, I have things really? that aren't fixed yet. <laughs> That's why I'm, I'm here. Cool. I'm cool too. Because I'm, I'm a carpenter. <laughs> I, I rebuild cool. things, rebuild I, I, lives. I, I, I As a matter of fact, friend. I come with the cleaning crew you called the Holy Spirit. My shoulder. And, and we'll come cool in, kid. and you don't even have to worry. You all, all you have to do is let us in, and God is standing. At is there any biblical example? Because keep in mind, as I've said before. Part of the problem with critical race theory, and this gentleman is not a critical race theorist that I know of. However, part of the problem with critical race theory is that it does not give you scripture. It gives you stories and anecdotes and narratives and just such like that and examples, but no Bible. And though he read 
um, Revelation 3.20 out of context, but we read out of context, that's not sufficient. At the door of your life every day and he's knocking and he's knocking and he's knocking and he's saying when you pray, you invite him in. So when you pray about your family, about your school, about what college you're supposed to go to, you're not just going to a college because all your friends are going there. That may be the very worst place that you could be. But when you say, God, I need your direction. I need you to help me. I need you to give me peace. Yes, we, we, we do seek God for direction, guidance, and the such. That's absolutely no problem with that. But keep in mind, wherever he puts you, wherever you go, you are in his will. So even if you go to this college or that college or whatever this, I mean, God, is, he's still sovereign. It's not like he doesn't know what he's doing. Maybe we don't know, but we're not giving God permission. I'm going to let this finish up, but you got my point. About where I'm supposed to go. What you're doing is you're inviting God in. This is a uh, this is a sermon, and I don't not trying to be mean, not trying to just hawk on a topic or hawk on a point, but that's not what the Bible teaches, and you see it. I, I again, I don't want you to believe it because I said it. I want you to actually look at the scriptures because you've read them yourself, and you say, "Oh, this is not actually what the scripture says." Did he define? Did he caricature the Holy One who stood on? in nothing and said, let there be. Is that the one that he exampled? Is, is he exampling the one who said, I sit on my throne and laugh at these ants that shake their fist at God? Is, is that who he, who he pictured there? No. Some kid just trying to get the, the head of the cheerleading squad to go on a date with him. That's, that's it. It's just a caricature Christianity, and this is illiterate. This is the problem. Dear Michael Todd, as your friend, as a, as a brother in Christ, I'm begging you to turn from this popular therapeutic deism that you've been promoting. You have a, a, a great platform, extremely energetic, and you have a great charisma and, and stage presence. The problem is you don't teach God's word. You, 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 you don't teach God's word. And all of that charismatic uh, approach, all that personality and bravado will be swept into hell along with countless people who are saying that they thought that you were preaching them the gospel, that they thought you were leading them to Christ. Michael Todd, please turn from this, turn from it, because what you're teaching is not biblical. What you're teaching is not supported in the Bible, and therefore these people have no foundation. This has been Dear Old Christian. This open letter format podcast is meant to encourage you to look into God's word, to compare every single word that you receive against God's holy word and reject anything, brothers and sisters, anything that doesn't line up with God's word and doesn't make much of Christ. Um, feel free to support, like, share, subscribe, all that kind of good stuff. Comment down below. Feel free to check us out at dearworldchristian.com as well. I like to stay engaged with the comment section. I will reach back out to you as much as possible. I like to keep those comments fun and energetic. 
And um, I'll do my best to do so. And until next time, brothers and sisters, grace and peace. This has been Dear Old Christian, the podcast. This open letter format discussion is aimed to open your eyes to the wonder and the beauty of God's word and his gospel. May you compare any and every teaching to what has been written and reject anything that doesn't line up with scriptures and doesn't make much of Christ. Feel free to like, share, and to subscribe to this channel. Please also support DearWoldChristian.com, the blog. I love to keep these discussions going and keep them energetic. So until next time, grace and peace.